This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Hi, I'm Brother Rich Van Dorn. I'm a past Grand Commander of the Grand Commandery of Knights Templar of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. St. George and the Dragon This article was originally published in the KT, that's Knight Templar magazine. One of the benefits of being a member of Boston Commandery No. 2 is that there are a number of visitors who enjoy getting a tour of our armory on the sixth floor of the Grand Lodge building in downtown Boston. The visitors come from all over the country and, indeed, from jurisdictions far from our own. It is a mutual opportunity to learn from each other. This day was no exception. On rounding a corner of the commander's office, our visitor spied a large and impressive bronze. Whatever is that, and where did it come from? he asked. It was given to Most Worshipful Brother and Sir Knight Samuel Crocker Lawrence by the Grand Encampment of Knights Templar on the occasion of the 1895 Triennial Meeting held in Boston. Brother Lawrence served as Grand Master from 1881 until 1883, and as the Grand Commander of the Grand Commandery of Massachusetts and Rhode Island in 1884, I replied. He, in turn, left it in the perpetual care of Boston Commandery. It is a rendition of St. George slaying the dragon. What has St. George and the dragon to do with Knights Templar, he asked. And that is when he began to educate me. What, indeed? The History Little is known about the historical figure of St. George. What is known is that there was an officer of the Roman Praetorian Guard named George at the time of the Emperor Diocletian, who reigned from 284 to 313 A.D. According to some scholars, by the 3rd century, the Roman army comprised soldiers drawn from almost everywhere except Rome. Many came from the wildest parts of the empire and were, to the senators and the emperor, unreliable as to their loyalties. Legions ruled, and the Senate was dead, with virtually every free man a citizen. The early Christian church, like many minorities, was considered suspect. They met in secret as a means of protection. Their numbers were growing, however, and that brought unwanted attention from the Roman authorities. Persecutions began. There was a great deal of unrest throughout the empire. A soldier called Datinius, under Diocletian, provided defense and some sense of stability, rising through the military to become provost and lead the Praetorian Guard. He was, quote, ignorant of letters, careless of laws, and the rusticity of his appearance betrayed the meanness of the man. War was the only art he professed. 
he and his successor, Maximilian, did the dirty work of the emperor without pity and with fearful consequences. He was the instrument of every act of cruelty which the emperor might suggest and disclaim. Unquote. It would seem that he well earned the nickname the Dragon. The Christians were a major target of Diocletian. Titinius mounted a campaign to kill as many men, women, and children as possible who refused to renounce their faith. Further, the emperor declared that no Christian could be a Roman soldier. All soldiers were to immediately renounce their religion in support of Rome. One very popular and successful Roman officer was George, a Christian by faith. He refused to recant his faith and was martyred. In the aftermath of his martyrdom, thousands of Romans converted to Christianity, including the wife of Dotinius. The Legend There are several variations of the legend of St. George and the Dragon. There is a Greek version, dating back to the 5th century, and a Latin version, which circulated in the West during the 6th century. The Middle English version is probably the best known today and is an account from the 12th century. This is known as Legenda Aurea de Bordeaux by James or Jacobus de Vorraine, with a modern translation by William Caxton. The following account, frequently referred to as the Golden Legend, is the most influential. According to this account, St. George was born in Cappadocia. Riding in Libya, in the city of Cyrene, he heard about a dragon which survived in a nearby marsh. The local people were assuaging the dragon by supplying two sheep a day for food. However, over time, the dragon was no longer satisfied with sheep and instead demanded to be fed children from the local citizenry. First one, then two per day. The king of the locals yielded to pressure from the people and declared that selection of the children to be sacrificed would be by lottery. That proceeded until the king's own daughter was selected. The hapless girl was dressed as for a wedding and sent off to the dragon to meet her fate. St. George, hearing of the situation, rode out to do battle with the dragon and rescue the maiden. He first makes the sign of the cross before battle. He then manages to transfix the dragon with a single blow of his lance. He takes the girdle of the maiden and puts it around the throat of the dragon and leads it back to the city. The people, terrified at the sight, panicked. So St. George gives a powerful sermon and allays their fears for, if they become believers in Jesus Christ and were baptized, St. George would slay the dragon. The people agreed. Fifteen thousand men, women, and children were baptized Christians. The king gave St. George treasure. St. George gave it to the poor. Before his departure from the kingdom, however, he made four demands, 
First, that the king would build and maintain Christian churches. Second, that the king would honor the Christian priests. Third, that the king and all subjects would diligently attend religious services there. And fourth, that the king and all others would show compassion to the poor. Over several centuries, this story was held up as a metaphor for the triumph of good over evil, of Christ over Satan, and St. George came to be seen as a valiant warrior in the traditions of chivalry and the knighthood promulgated among the aristocracy. Indeed, although not historically supported, there is a tradition that during the Crusades, King Richard the Lionheart and St. Demetrius witnessed St. George intervene on behalf of the Christian knights and defeat the Muslims at the Battle of Antioch. There is no historical doubt, however, that upon Richard's return to England, he established a St. George's Day in the calendar year as of 1222. Later, subsequent kings declared St. George to be the patron saint of Knights of England. King Edward III founded the Order of the Garter, with St. George as patron in 1344-48, and King Henry V elevated St. George's feast day to one of first rank, declaring it a national holiday in 1415. Thus, the legend transfers the original early Christian legend of St. George and the dragon into a metaphorical formula for knightly chivalry. It has persisted as such ever since, which explains the bronze work in Boston Commandery's armory, as well as the depiction character of the Grand Commandery of Massachusetts and Rhode Island's official seal. A Veiled Allegory Allegory and metaphor relay meaning subject to various interpretations. Certainly, in Freemasonry, there are many such examples for the individual brother to interpret according to his own experience and determination. The story of St. George slaying the dragon is no less an example. To the Christians of the early 5th and 6th centuries, the reality of trying to survive persecution was a mortal endeavor. The biblical dictates to uphold faith and proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior had severe consequences, but the promise of eternal life was stronger. The story of St. George is perhaps illustrative of Jesus Christ slaying the satanic dragon of death, sustaining the Christian church, the bride of Christ. The fable incentivizes conversion to defend the faith and martyrdom in the confidence of the ultimate victory over death itself. With the rise of the Age of Chivalry and the period of the Crusades, the story takes on a new, layered meaning. The old story of St. George slaying the dragon becomes akin to knights intervening in battle with the Muslim armies. Thanks to the English kings, St. George became the patron saint of knighthood in general, and the patron saint of England in particular. The chivalric values of modesty, bravery, defense of the weak, compassion for the less fortunate, and promotion of the Christian religion are front and center wherever the story is told and retold. As such, 
it became indelibly linked to the Knights Templar. A lesson for the modern Knight Templar. But what are we to make of this story, and what possible connection should modern Knights Templar find in its telling? St. George represents the epitome of knighthood. He is the archetype of chivalry, illustrative of what we declare in our own vows to the order and to each other. They include the following values. A firm belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. Courage to confront evil despite the odds of success. A commitment to help those less fortunate. A desire to do what is right and modestly disclaim personal aggrandizement. A commitment to put on the whole armor of God and write forth every day. An impetus to come to the rescue of others, no matter their circumstance. The imperative to fight the good fight, no matter how small or how large the battlefield. Maybe this is why the Grand Commandery of Massachusetts and Rhode Island selected St. George slaying the dragon to be the obverse of their great seal. Every time a Knight Templar from this jurisdiction sees that seal, he will be reminded of these knightly values. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brother.